0: Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you to go to curatemeals.com to order your meal for October 5th. If you're listening today on the 4th, I really hope you do. We've got an amazing restaurant. If not, please order for a future event, either in Rochester or Buffalo, and go to curatemeals.com. If you have any questions, you can email me, stromey at curatemeals.com, and I'll answer any questions you might have. Hopefully see you there at Three Heads for pickup on Wednesday, October 5th. I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. Well, it's a beautiful day here in Rochester, and across the table from me is somebody who I met a little while ago. I've uh, been to many events with her, and excited to talk about uh, the fall uh, the fall festival that she's hosting this weekend. So make sure to drive to Henrid and visit it. We'll talk about all the details in a second. But guest, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, everyone. I am Phone Dumas, and I am a founder and owner of Patai Catering. Um, even though we are a catering company, the majority of what we do is, or actually the focal point of what we do is, we host pop-ups. So Thai food pop-ups in uh, Bristol, New York on Fridays and Saturdays at a brewery that we all know as Noble Shepherd Craft Brewery.
0: Awesome. I mean, that's that's an exciting thing to do, to host um, this kind of food at a brewery. A lot of breweries, and again, I'm going to generalize, a lot of breweries kind of keep the food very, uh, you know, very uh, sports bar basic.
1: Very true. And, you know, the space that the owner of Noble Shepherd Craft Brewery leased is uh, an extension of the Wizard of Clay. Oh. out in Bristol New York right so it is an older building that is not equipped for um, a kitchen oh, okay and so the way that we came together the only thing that I can say about that is that it was just serendipitous that we were brought together like that and oh we've for been sure together since yeah that's
0: awesome well before we dive into all all the rest of the amazing stuff we're going to talk about. Why don't you talk about the event that's going on this weekend?
1: Okay. So there is this beautiful hidden gem in West Henrietta. It's a uh, Theravada Buddhist temple. The name of the temple is Wat Buddha Tem, located on 135 Martin Road. And I have been involved as a board member for over five years now. And one of the newest things that we started was annual food festivals. Uh, We hold one in the summer, and we hold one in the fall. And the concept behind that is, number one, trying to introduce our community not just to this beautiful hidden gem, but also the authenticity of what Lao Thai food is, that you won't necessarily find at your local Thai restaurants. And behind all of that, of course, is the uh, fundraising effort um, for the temple Okay. as part of the upkeeps of the temple.
0: Well, that, that makes complete sense. I mean, if you're going to run an event at a place, it's usually to benefit some sort of function, and that's it's a great thing. So uh, before we dive into um, dive into the food, because obviously that's what we love to talk about here, um, can, you tell, uh, can you tell the audience a bit about um, uh, Theravada Buddhism and what the mission of the temple and the community is generally?
1: Of course, yes. Uh, Theravada Buddhism is mainly founded, or you can mainly practiced, right, in Southeast Asia. So when you say Southeast Asia, you're thinking Thailand, Laos, Burma. And those are the major countries that observe or practice Theravada Buddhism. And the teaching, right? um, You never ever want to say teaching, but I always think when you think teach, it's to bring someone in and to, to kind of say, hey, this is what you need to know. This is what you need to do. Well, For I, me,
0: right. I uh-huh. think that I think that's an interesting. It's an interesting aside to talk about what, what is teaching like, because I never think about what like what we do on the podcast usually is teaching. But there's so much to learn and so much to think about. And sometimes uh, um, standards are, are useful, and teaching people the standards and so they understand how to practice is valuable.
1: Right. So practicing. Versus observing, Mm. versus incorporating the ideas into your daily life, right? I guess is what we would mean when we say practice. And the teaching then, therefore, I think it's just the mindfulness, right? The respect for one another, the treating one another with love and kindness and helping one another out and to always be open and to always be welcoming and to never differentiate between anything other than we are all here together and we are all welcome here and there's no distinction when you're here there's no distinction when 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 we think or talk about any of the ideals right of Theravada Buddhism because for me what I walk away with or when what I think about right is kind of I see my neighbors, I see my friends, I see anyone that might be just in the area and it's to welcome and to answer any questions and even though it looks so different and so foreign and so exotic and our monks are in orange robes and the temples you know come out of Sort of like a fantasy world because the architectural design of those temples are just so different. It's than stunning. What we stunning. Find here.
0: Stunning. Though. Right. I mean, it, it's something to it's something to walk around and kind of wonder at when you're when you're on the grounds and hopefully on the grounds this weekend at the um, at the food festival. But um, being there on the grounds is just it's a very relaxing experience. It feels. It feels very comfortable and everybody is very welcoming, regardless of their background. Is uh, uh, Just being there is just very pleasant and the temples is stunning, the the one on, on site.
1: Beautiful, right? Beautiful. They brought in um, an architect, actually, from Laos oh, wow. to design that building because we couldn't find any architectural firm here or designer here who would be able to accomplish those complicated and complex designs, right? Because if you look at it, Chris, you would think that we literally just pulled that building up from some sort of, you know, uh, temple ground in Laos or in Thailand and just plotted it right there, you know? But um, you saying how peaceful it is and the grounds are so beautiful and you're not even the first uh, to say that. Everyone that we have welcomed that has come you know to tour or to just walk around feels that same majestic peaceful zen just so free of all the stress of life because when you come in it's like wow you take a nice deep breath and it's just there's something in the air there right that just lightens your whole entire mind uh, literally and figuratively. And I know for myself, when I'm there, I can be there from 8 o'clock in the morning, and it could be 6 p.m., and we will still finishing things up there. But by no means am I rushing to leave. Mm. You know what I mean? For sure. It's just, that is the feeling that you get there. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Sure. And I, I, I find it, so um, this is more just a, you know, question of ignorance of the community more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So for the, for the you know, Laotian community in Rochester, is this the big hub of the community?
1: I think it. Uh, it's, I would like to say that it is, but we do share, there is another Theravada temple, okay. Theravada Buddhist temple right here in the heart of the city. Oh, awesome. Off of St. Paul. But um, it is a smaller one. Mm-hmm. And I think that the one, Wat Palau is more spacious both for parking, both for touring, both for just walking around and enjoying your afternoon there, sure. right? Um, I don't want to say that it is the hub or the heart because I don't want to take away anything, oh, right? A hundred percent. Right, but the only distinction between the two is just geography. Yeah, You know, those who are more north of the city or within the city limit, you know, uh, go to the one in the city because of its ease and proximity and closeness. Uh, but then the one, you know, Buddha Buditam, it welcomes everyone. Because if you think about it, right, the Theravada Buddhist temples, um, they're generally only founded in the bigger cities in the US, like we have one in Buffalo. There's not one in Syracuse, but there is one. I believe it's in Cortland, okay. very, very, you know, close to to Binghamton. Sure. So everyone else in between these, you know, Western New York cities, uh, will either gravitate towards the one in Buffalo, but mostly here the one uh, in West Henrietta. yeah, a- And like I said, simply because of geography and whichever one is closest to them, and then it becomes a part of their family tradition, right, to To come to this temple when there's an important event. Um, they become acclimated. Uh, they, you know, meet the community, and they become a part of the community, and it's just uh, one big family.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess from, from a general sense, before we dive into food, um, you know what? What are? Yeah, I know it's it's a bit of a tough question. What what, what are the what are the tenets <laughs> of Buddhism in the smallest amount of time right. we can talk about it because we could do that for a full hour. But um, you know, it's not everybody's from. People might have a general idea mm-hmm. of you know that respectfulness and you know being aware of nature and your surroundings and other people and all that stuff. Um, is is there a distilled way of describing? the practice i mean of buddhism as a as a whole i know we kind of touched a little bit on it but
1: oh yes definitely put it this way in simplistic terms right there is a version of or our own version of the ten commandments sure and it's exactly the same as the ten commandments thou shalt not cheat lie steal kill You know, adultery is also in there. Sure. So when I think about it, if anyone asks me about that, I always say I look at the distinction whether it's Buddhism, Christianity, or 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 Judaism, right? As just things that are geographically founded within certain parts of the world. Sure. But the idea right? When you think about it, if you really, really examine that, it's all the same in that it's believing in a higher power. And it just goes by different names, because even you, Mm -hmm. Chris, right? My name is phone. And so when I think about that, and I explain to friends, if our names can be so different, but yet we're all individual human beings right so will be certain traditions found in our community same thing just they're called by different names yeah. foreign names names that would be familiar to us our culture our tradition but very foreign exotic right to 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 those who aren't familiar with Yeah those parts of the world so i look at it in that way and when someone says what is so different or or what is it about buddhism i always say actually there is no difference we follow the ten commandments and the teachings are very very similar when you go in for services it's always the emphasis on helping one another being loving neighbors you know
0: interconnectedness in a lot of ways and I, I think that's that's what always grabbed me. As somebody who doesn't, you know, uh, I'm not a practicing person in any religion, um, I think that's what always struck me was that um, seemed to be a interconnectedness and a focus on that side of things versus uh, some of the other... Uh, uh, I, mm-hmm not going to go into uh, my my downsides of organized <laughs> religion right now because right? I could do that and oh, uh, yeah. we're not going to do that this
1: time. <laughs> yeah. But I'll I'll put it this way, right? The emphasis is on the people. Yeah. The community. Love, kindness, compassion. Yeah. There's no emphasis specifically on religion. Right. And that's why you know when I look at that it's 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 you know, it's not confining at all, and that's why when I became, uh, you know, involved um, on an executive level like that, um, one of the things that I wanted to focus on was inclusiveness. Of course, because it's a yes, it is a Lao temple, you know, in the outskirts of Rochester, New York, but it's not a Lao temple in Laos, and so therefore, because it's located right here in Rochester it still is a community temple and if it's a community temple then let's invite the community in and let's show you this beauty that's in your own backyard you don't have to go all the way to southeast asia you know to find this beautiful thing yeah you know and to embrace it and to come observe and to join does not require conversion, does not require any sort of commitment to anything. You simply come and you are part of the community and that's it. And yeah, that's it's a, why com- it's I, a come yeah. as you are kind you of thing. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, I'm so drawn to you and I pull you in and I'm, yeah. I'm so drawn to, to, my, to my friends and my family here who are non-Lao, non-Thai. Yeah. You know, my American friends, it's like, come, come, come. I want you to see. Yeah. And they know what I'm talking about for when sure. when I say, "Hey, there's no emphasis on religion here. There is emphasis on love and compassion for one another and to exist as a community that loves and takes care of one another."
0: Yeah. Well, and let's let's talk about that cuz that that's I mean, that is the that's how these kind of food festivals really work is that this is a lens to show show off the community, and you're specifically speaking about um, when you're talking about the other stuff, that this is you know through the lens of being in Henrietta, New York, mm-hmm. um, what are the kind of foods that are being served at this festival, and how does that tie to Thai uh, how does that tie to the traditional foods, and how do you uh, balance that with what is familiar to people that, that might know about uh, Thai and Lao cuisine?
1: right so um In my own opinion, I feel like Thai food has been on the rise for a few years now. And what I mean by that is that many more Americans right here in the United States and just throughout the world in general, right, are becoming more familiar with Thai food. If we think about 20, 30 years ago, right? When we think Asian cuisine, we're, we're talking Chinese food that's at the very top of the list. And then, you know, Japanese, right? And then all of its neighboring cuisine now is slowly starting to like, just come out of the woods, whether you are talking about Vietnamese food, right? or Thai food, or Malaysian food, you know, it's all coming up now. And I think, going back to what you said, which is, what is being served at the festival? And does that present some sort of familiarity to to our community? And I say yes, because there are, you know, I there are numerous Thai food here in our city here in Rochester and when you think about it right whether it be Vietnamese or Thai and let's talk about those two cuisines there.
0: Yeah I'm actually really interested to dive into the details of Laotian cuisine because it is what we would what many would say is without knowing all the heritage is Mm -hmm. we taste it as a cross between the two because obviously it lives in context Mm -hmm. of those two countries being right around it
1: right so the three countries right laos vietnam thailand they all border each other and you can't talk about cuisine and not think about how it is always right regionally Influenced. 100%. You can go to Italy and find that Northern Italy cuisine is different than Southern Italy cuisine, but then Northern Italy cuisine might be more influenced by its neighboring countries, right? And it's the same thing with Thailand. In Thailand, you can find numerous influences, for example, uh, northern Thailand is influenced more heavily by the Lao cuisine versus say, the more southern tier part of Thailand is more influenced by like, say, Malaysian food, which is more, you know, if, if you think about it, and it's it's curries, it's very, it's associated with a lot of like, Indian curry Muslim food, because of the population, you know the 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 Muslim population that's found in Malaysia, and so when you talk about uh, regional influence, you know that's what you would find in 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 thai food a lot of the entrees that you would find a lot of the dishes that you would find um in thai restaurants even here in rochester and in a lot of the different places that that i've been to sure um right um are always going to emphasize a stir fry a curry right and a noodle dish Mm -hmm. And those are found throughout the entire country uh, in Thailand and in Laos as well. But depending on what part, whether you're north, south, east, west, you know, certain regions are known to love to cook with coconut milk, mm. you know. Certain regions are known to cook with coconut milk only in in desserts, you know what I mean? And... Um, Lao cuisine, when you think about, right, when you think about like the beef salad or the chicken salad, um, those are very like Lao influenced. You don't find too much in Thailand, those dishes, unless you're in the northern part of Thailand because of its regional you know, influences by, by, uh, by Laos. So can
0: you describe those dishes in a little more detail? So when you say beef salad, what's the what's the context? What are what are the flavor profiles that people would expect to taste in that dish?
1: Right. So I think the first thing that I want to say is don't let the word salad take you down that route of our green garden salad.
0: Yeah. Right? Very, very different thing in Southeast Asian cuisine.
1: Right. Because anytime you see the word salad in it, it just means that it's, it's a cold dish. hmm You know, and when we think salad here... We'll think greens, and yes, maybe, you know, grilled chicken salads where you have a grilled meat that's set on top of the salad, but nonetheless, it is our garden, you know, lettuce salad. But back home, it doesn't necessarily just mean vegetables, it can mean a meat dish. So, say, for example, the chicken salad or the beef salad, or you might even have seen or heard of the word lop chicken lap L A R B, right, phonetically or LAP So lap or you might even have seen the word goi you know, phonetically I think you would G O I as mm-hmm. goi phonetically, right? They're all the same and these dishes are are served cold, henceforth the name salad. But it's just say let's go with the chicken. You take an entire chicken, right? You can either grill or bake right, the, the meat, when it's cooked, you slice it thinly into less than bite size, right, mm-hmm. nice thin. And then what happens is the seasoning that comes in is what makes it so unique, because you can find fresh lime leaf, fresh lime juice, right, Dark roasted t- sticky rice that has been grounded that gives you that like that smoky taste, which when is you kind have of it. an
0: important. I mean, the those toasted rice is kind of a critical seasoning in both lob and you know the the other those kind of salads. Is that you get that flavor and almost sometimes you get that crunch too, and it's. Really delightful.
1: It's very unique. Yeah. And and when you think about the roasted rice, right, that is the Laotian cuisine influence. Mm. Okay. Right? And you will find the, the chicken salad or the lap gai or the lap sin, you know, the, the beef salad, the chicken salad. You'll find that uniquely in Northern Thailand where mm. one of the ingredients is the roasted sticky rice. Whereas in you know southern Thailand towards Bangkok more um, you won't find that as much right Interesting. The key in 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 the southern uh, style beef salad would be the lime right and all the other various herbs like you might find mint, cilantro, green onion. But the key you know but the key ingredient that it's missing in southern Thailand is that roasted, Rice.
0: See it, this. This is super useful for me. So this. This is how I tend to learn about these kind of things is through context. So uh, I, I've spent a lot of time in, uh, you know, the last couple of years learning a lot about, um, you know, the different uh, different cuisines of West Asia. So you know, Syrian versus Lebanese versus yeah. Turkish versus all these uh, all the different styles. And it's always subtleties, and it's subtleties based on geography Mm -hmm. and based on heritage, because you can look at Palestinian food, for example, and you're tasting Israeli food through the lens of halal ingredients. Right. And like, oh, these are essentially identical with twists based on religion, twists based on geography and the translation of the country Mm -hmm. next to it. And as soon as you brought that, I'm like, oh, this makes complete sense that now... Because I knew about the toast rice, but I didn't realize that it that was actually Laotian influence in the region. Mm-hmm. And that's driven through there. And that, that makes so much sense based on
1: yeah.
0: how all this tends to work yeah. when it comes to cuisines all over the world.
1: Oh, definitely. Like when you go to a restaurant and you see that chicken salad, yeah, you know, it depends on, uh, on the chef, right? On which style she wants to serve, you know? Um, and it's not to say, oh, that's not... L- authentic Thai food, that's not this, Is just more which region of Laos or which region of Thailand is the chef influenced by, you know? Yeah. Um, say, for example, even when you go to a local restaurant here who emph- uh, and their emphasis is on various, you know, um, ramen soups and pho soups, but they'll still offer that that chicken salad, you know, on their menu. And you won't know, whether it is like generally Southern Thai, right? Or whether it is Northern Thai until you've ordered it. And your palate can be more like, you know what? I love Northern Thai cuisine. I'm not a real big fan um, of, um, of the Southern Thai, just simply because if you think about it, the Northern cuisine is just, there's just so many different, exotic flavors Mm. to it versus say the southern in my opinion i find (laughs) that it's just uniquely hay you know kind of like salt and black pepper sure and and that's your seasoning versus northern you know, Thailand, it's like, you've got that kaffir lime leaf, you've got that fresh lemongrass, you've got all kinds of things going in there, you know, and it it's just, it's the same but it's different, you know what I mean?
0: Oh, for sure, and that, well, I think that that tends to be it's pretty common, like, you know, you, you see that regionality, and like you were talking about, and you have a preference, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can look at and I always remark to say, what the the, the vastly different regional foods of the United States, which are usually influenced by other cultures. But I mean, you always have a preference. I mean, even you look at uh, Vietnamese soups, right? You can get to your, you know, your, uh, what most people know as uh, the, the pho they'll e- be eating is typically northern Vietnamese in most places here mm-hmm. versus, you know, the Bun uh, Bo hue at the central Vietnamese. And the more seafood, light-based soups from from the south, right? Very different, and Very you can different. have a preference and enjoy one more than the other. It doesn't mean it's not valid, right? But it's your preference on mm-hmm. what you like.
1: Oh yeah, I've heard friends who say, "Oh my gosh," when uh, certain Vietnamese friends of mine see how uh, how we prepare our pho, they're like, "No, that's not pho." You know what I mean? But that's kind of like saying, hey, my Italian friends from Rome who are visiting, yeah. and my mom made lasagna for dinner, and that friend says, that's not lasagna. Right. You know what I mean? It is lasagna, but every country has its own influence. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. it takes that national dish, you know, and it doesn't mean that one country or another owns it. You know what I mean? Like for me... When I prepare my flow soups, um, my palate is more on the lime, chili sweetness. So you've got a mm. sweet, spicy, limey taste to my pho versus say when you go into a, a restaurant where they just bring it out to you, you've got your noodles and you've got your sprig of, of um, basil and bean sprout uh, on a plate, right? But when they bring that dish out to you, it literally is just the noodle in that broth. Mm. But when you think about it, the broth for us Right. For me, for us in Laos or in Thailand, that's just the base. That is actually not how we have our pho. So whether you have it at the restaurant or at home, if you have it at a restaurant in Thailand, you've got um, a table full of condiments, one of which is the ground pepper. Oh. and the lime and other seasoning so the broth the reason why the broth is nice and bland is so that you can add your own flavor to it interesting for us it's not meant to be had the way that it's brought out to you in that nice bland still very delicious broth right sure it's meant to be seasoned more according to each individual's taste
0: it's a palate to be added to yes. not, not left as is
1: yes very interesting
0: so, um, just uh, before we go to break, uh, let's uh, let's just remind uh, people. So, it looks like the event is from noon to three on Sunday this weekend. Correct. And uh, they show up, they park, and come in and buy food. And just walk around and enjoy themselves.
1: Walk around, enjoy yourselves. You know, we'll have someone um, who will be in front of the beautiful Golden Shrine where if anyone wanted uh, to ask any questions or had any questions or inquiries, you can do that. There will be music, you know, uh, a, live, um, a live band that's playing. So you can come in, do some takeout, or come in and hang out and just enjoy the view. You know, and just tour and and don't be afraid to just come on in and just say, what is this and what is that? Because we love to just share. Yeah. You know?
0: Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll talk more about uh, more about cuisine and a little bit of a little bit of film as well. So we'll be back in a minute. Before we get back to this week's episode, wanted to remind you to go to curatemeals.com to order your meal for tomorrow uh, at uh, Three Heads Brewing. We have a great local restaurant planned for you. Uh, excited to bring this to you. It's one of the uh, very specific cuisines that is in Rochester. It's a bit hard to find, and we're excited to bring it to you. So go to curatemeals.com to order your meal for Wednesday, or you can order for two weeks from now. Looking forward to seeing you at Three Heads Brewing. All right, and we're back. And uh, please correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but uh, phone Dumas. Yes. Awesome. Uh, so hosting the uh, uh, fall Lao food festival over at the Wat Pa Lao Buddha Buddha Tam Buddha Tam uh, temple in Henrietta. Um, make sure you go uh, noon through three this Sunday uh, to go grab some food, walk around, enjoy yourself. Um, and what I wanted to talk about is you mentioned that you're you're doing your uh, your pop up, your catering at uh, uh, at the brewery. Um, and which which brewery was that again?
1: It's Noble Shepherd Craft Brewery.
0: Noble Shepherd. And I want to talk about what do you do there? At uh, what kind of food do you serve there? And do you rotate? Do you do a static menu? Mm-hmm. How do you approach that as a caterer on site with no kitchen?
1: Right. So, uh, we do the pop up on Fridays and Saturdays. And what I offer is heavily, heavily, you know, focused on Northern Thai cuisine because that's where I'm from, Mm -hmm. you know. And what I try to hone in on is what we're familiar with when we go to Thai restaurants, wherever it is that we go. Because no matter which restaurant we go to, you know, it's Thai cuisine, we tend to find the same dishes, right? So I try to put that the focus on what we're already familiar with. But the twist to that, right, is how I make it, how I was introduced to it, how I was influenced by it, by mom's cooking or by my aunt's cooking when, when I go back home or by, you know, anybody else's cooking. And so as I think that when you experience food, you can't truly experience it until you're exposed to different versions of the same dish, but then you make it your own, you know, So a lot of the familiar dishes that I introduce to our community are dishes that they're familiar with, whether it be the red curries, the green curries, the pad thai, the spring rolls, the egg rolls. But the difference is, how have I been eating them? How has mom been cooking them and teaching them to me for the past 30 plus years? Mm. And how has my palate grown and what do i think is tasty and good and delicious and how do i want to introduce it to the community and so i look at that and that's how i base patai catering Mm. or what i base it on is how i grew up with it and how i still cook cook it for my family for my friends both here in the u.s and when i go back home
0: well i think that's it's an interesting it's an interesting part of the discussion is like you're um how long have you lived in the u.s have you over 30 years over 30 years yeah so it, it has to be an interesting balance of pure tradition versus you know living in the u.s for 30 years changes the way you taste things right and it definitively does, right? There's no getting a getting around that because mm-hmm. the variety and the contrast of American tastes versus mm-hmm. traditional tastes are wildly different, right? Um, and it is a, I, I think it's the, it's always an interesting discussion of um, authenticity, right? Um, and I'll I'll describe my struggle with that. Sometimes, you know, I might know what I would understand to be more traditional foods. Um, But I try very hard not to call them authentic or anything else because I haven't spent time in a country or anything like that. And I I think it's an important contrast for all of us who are um, food nerds and into all this stuff to be careful not to um, be the arbiters of authenticity or traditionality as much as we can But At the same time, you're serving a brewery audience. How do you balance that with your tastes to um, what they might be more familiar with and toning things down for a different audience? How do you balance that personally?
1: So it's funny because I have to go back to the story, right? Mm. I started at the brewery just a little bit over six years ago. Oh, wow. And when you think about that, uh, where Noble Shepherd Craft Brewery is located is literally almost in the heart of the Finger Lakes. And um, we'll know that anything, you can't find Thai cuisine, you know, south of... Rochester. Yeah. And if you're anywhere in between, you know, in the heart of the finger lakes, if you wanted Thai cuisine, you either had to go to Ithaca, Buffalo, Syracuse, or Rochester. So when I started over six years ago, people heard of and knew of Thai food, but had never had it before until i brought it down there and it's not to say all of them the, but, but the majority yeah right who were just so interested and was just so like oh wow i wanna i wanna try i've never had this thai food before phone but what is it it's exciting that's yeah. an exciting opportunity oh my gosh let me tell you how I, i the analogy or the explanation that i gave them as far as what patai was, right? And when you think patai, everyone will say, "Oh my gosh, that is the national dish of Thailand where it's the most well-known Thai dish in the world. and it's it's true, yeah. right? And so the first two years was, what is patai? And it you know, I couldn't think of a better way to introduce or to explain than to say, right? Have you had Chinese food before? Sure. Yes, I love Chinese food. What do you think about lo mein? I love lo mein. And I would say, well, you know what? Pad Thai is Thailand's version of lo mein. And that is how you had to explain to kind of like get them to understand, hey, what is this? Sure. We've heard of it, but we have no, we know, we've heard of Thai food but we've never heard of the individual dishes, the indi- individual entrees, and if a name comes off like patai, forget it. There's there's no alluding to specifically what that is the way that chicken red curry would. Sure. You know what I mean? They're,
0: they're all right. They're people who have some context for it, even though they're, they're likely more referring to generic Indian curry, which is a misnomer to begin with, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, yeah. But it, it is an interesting thing because if people know one dish, it is pad thai, right? right? And it is oftentimes the version that they'll be served. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to you, for you to tell me about the interesting flavors, the, the contrast that is pad thai, right? Right. Um, often, if anybody's had a version, it'll be a version that has been more Americanized mm-hmm. and will be um, sweet and lacking in contrast, mm-hmm. lacks acidity, lacks, um, you know, depth of flavor. Right. Um, but that's not that's not that dish. And realistically, pad Thai is a, is a street food, right? Mm-hmm. More than like people call it the national dish, like it's this, but it's it's a street food and yeah. it's very popular. I mean, I mean, lab is much more of right. more of what yeah, everybody's yeah. eating. Pad Thai is a street food.
1: It's a comfort food, right? It's an easy to go to dish, right? Right. When you think about pad Thai, not only is it known as a street food, but it's the easiest go to dish, right? Right. And you ask and you mention, how did I offer and how did I introduce those flavors? Yeah. I, in my own words, I introduced everything on my menu and I shared it with everyone in the most authentic version you could ever imagine. And I know we we talked about the word authenticity, sure. right? And gosh, there's such complexity to that. And what do you mean? Because you're authentic doesn't mean that mine isn't. And Just because I like it this way doesn't mean that it's not authentic, right? Yeah. So for me, when I use the word authentic, it's authentic to me. It's yeah. authentic to how I grew up eating it both back home in Thailand and here it's authentic to the ingredients that we use for a specific dish because each specific dish calls for its own specific ingredient for me it's authentic because I do not omit any ingredient whatsoever I do not change it I do not alter it um And for those who really truly know all the various spices, the Thai Lao spices, right? Fish sauce or even the other version of fish sauce that we refer to as badak, right? Um, Explain. Those are the anchovy sauce. Oh, anchovy sauce. sauce. Yes. Very different. They are very, very pungent. Mm -hmm. And for people who did not grow up with it, when they get that first whiff, it's like, no way <laughs> am I even going to touch whatever dish you put that in. Yeah, But people don't realize that ingredients, when mixed with fresh herbs and other spices, they do not maintain their original smell or taste. What's well, that
0: balance, right? It's it, it's a dish of extremes, but balance. Yeah, I mean with um, and uh, correct me if I'm going off the rails here, but with 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 uh, with uh, tamarind as well. I mean, mm-hmm. what a beautiful ingredient that brings roundness and brightness and interest. It's mm-hmm. such a complicated flavor.
1: It's complicated, right? And the way that we cook it back home, you can either cook it in its in its original form once it's ripened. You know, it turns into a brown, you know, coat on the outside and the inside is a brown, you know, soft skin, you know, with uh, still in its seed, still in its casing. Um, or you can use it in the powder version or in the liquid version. Mm. But tamarind, for me, when you think about that, right? Um, people use tamarind and lime interchangeably in oh, their cuisine. Interesting. Yes. It gives that same sour taste but very different for different things. 100%. Like for the lap and the salad and the papaya salads and the cucumber salads, you have to go with the lime. Because it's sharp. Yes. But then when you're thinking about soup Mm. and you want that nice little, ooh, you know, I I taste something that vinaigrette-ish type kind of thing. That's where you'll find the tamarind. Well, it's
0: such a special flavor. And it's something that... yeah. You know, I've personally been thinking a lot about it. I'd watched a video. This is related to coffee. Mm. um, And it was, um, I forget where the gentleman was from. I believe he was from Southeast Asia. And they were talking about coffee education. How coffee education in the specialty coffee world, all the tasting notes on the tasting wheel were Western tasting notes. (laughs) Right? And it's, it, it's part of the challenge, right? When we're mm-hmm. when we're trying to describe the food to people who are unfamiliar with it. Um, that's why I'm bringing up all the things and we're going into detail. Because um, tamarind, we shouldn't have to break it apart into its individual flavors, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Tamarind tastes like tamarind.
1: Tam- tamarind tastes like tamarind if right? you've had it. Now, there's two different versions. Oh, there's interesting. what I refer to as the dessert version. Which literally, literally is so sweet. Mm. And it's dessert. The way we eat it at home, you know, you just break it open and either you just have it standalone or you have it uh, with sticky rice.
0: Is that just very ripe or is it a different version?
1: It's a different version. Oh, it's interesting. It's the sweet version, it's a sweet strand versus the sour strand, right? Interesting. The sweet strand is used for. All the various different desserts mm. containing tamarind, and the sour is used for the the cooking, right? The actual cooking okay. of non-dessert dishes, where you do want that little sour, you know, little pop yeah. in that taste, where it elevates it with that, you know, yeah. sour note. The in way it.
0: the way I describe it, and the the way I've described it, I, tell me if I'm accurate. I think this, I think I've gotten it correct. Is tamarind kind of tastes like a combination of Raisins and brown sugar lemonade.
1: Gosh, right?
0: Because it has that. There's some raisination. There's that fruitiness. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like dark raisins or golden raisin mm-hmm. mixed with brown sugar and lemon. It says that molassesy. Yes, it's got that molassesy thing and then that sharpness of lemon. That's how I've described it. But I think that's the thing we we want people to go out and taste tamarind mm-hmm. and to enjoy it as. You know, enjoy it in Mexican cuisine. Have it as a tamarindo agua fresca or have it in pad thai and enjoy the contrast and those Mm -hmm. flavors. And to taste it in its real form Mm -hmm. in those things is you can taste what makes it special Mm -hmm. because it is a special ingredient.
1: It is. And, you know, you mentioned molasses. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it is. Because when I've cooked in the liquid form, right, the concentrated liquid form, it does have that thick Brown sugar, molasses texture to it. Yeah, you know, and it's it's beautiful because it's everything is natural. There's 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 no additives to to the color, to the taste. It's just pure. It's it's one of those exotic exotic fruits, right? When you think about it, where unless you have been exposed to, um, it's native. Cooking component, mm-hmm. you would never be introduced to it in other way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean. But I think that's that's the that's the part I hope people I hope people will learn because it's not it's not separate. It's not other. This is an ingredient where, let's say, you know, we we were at a restaurant over the weekend and we had a, um, a creme brulee, right? You yeah. know, somebody had a creme brulee at the table, and that that base, that cream base. Imagine Tamarind in that cream base. What Ugh. an astonishing dish that would be with oh that with that cream base and that sharpness and that complexity. Mm-hmm. Why why isn't that in there? That, that that should be an ingredient we use in there because it would be amazing mm-hmm. in that context. Right. And not just in not just in that context. Every it's such an amazing thing. Yeah. Um but anyway, so we're so at Noble Shepherd you have a wide variety of dishes. Mm-hmm. You're doing all the different stuff. Um What's the dish? Do you do you rotate through different things? or I do you, rotate. Okay, so what, what's I the thing rotate. you're excited to do right now?
1: Okay, so part of our rotation, right, is I have an emphasis on summer menu okay. theme and fall, winter, spring menu theme. So we just started our fall menu, for example. And with our fall menu comes our hot soup. So we Ooh. serve the so we bring the pho soup and the ramen soup back on the menu that is our regular weekend staple for our winter theme menu gotcha and what you will also find every weekend obviously right is our namesake patai and the egg rolls and the spring rolls so if, if if you've ever been there you'll know no matter when you come, you'll always find the egg rolls, the spring rolls, the patai on awesome. the menu. And we rotate weekly specials. There might be a third appetizer, but there will always be three different specials um, on the menu. For example, last weekend, we had the Pad mao, or drunken noodles. Mm. Uh, we had the crispy fried rice salad, which is the nam kao. Oh, right, that's
0: good stuff. I
1: had the uh, pineapple fried rice as well, and then we ha- our last special was the Thai red roast pork barbecue.
0: Interesting. So, how mm-hmm. does that? How is that? Uh, does that have Chinese influence to it, or is that specifically Thai? Because obviously, you know, people who see roast red pork often mm-hmm. they'll be thinking of. You know, the Chinese uh mm-hmm. Cha Siu mm-hmm. is what most people be familiar right, with. But right. is this is this related or is it completely different?
1: I would like to think, you know, that there really isn't a right answer to that. So I, 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 defer again to regionalism and influences, sure. right? Just like spices from four, five, six hundred years ago, when we did, you know, the Oriental spice trade, where certain spices were only found in certain parts of the world. Um, we discover it, and then now all of a sudden we want to trade in it, and all of a sudden it becomes, you know, uh, available in every part of the country, and I would like to think that given the geography of southeast asia and its prox- you know proximity to china yeah. i couldn't imagine how it could not at some point you know what i mean have been influenced by that and a matter or of translated, fact, yeah. right matter of fact when i think about it you know how certain when when certain certain groups of people move from their native homeland and they settle in a different part uh, throughout the world. They bring their food and their culture and they introduce that to the world and all of a sudden that becomes something that their new home or home country adapts to and now puts their own twist on it. So I think with my Thai red roast pork, there is that element of that Chinese influence. Sure. You know what I mean? But then in the Thai cooking where where um, where garlic and and um, onion and kaffir lime leaf and mm. lemongrass is so prominently used as just any common that spice.
0: Sound, that sounds amazing.
1: Versus China,
0: yeah. right?
1: Um, that's where the Thai influence comes in. The spice might have come from China or Japan or Turkey, right? Mm. But then when it arrives, say, in Thailand or in New York, you know, we have a, a specific twist that we put to that. Right? And we cook it how we cook it here, but with that exotic element that has been imported from elsewhere or influenced from somewhere else. Like, say, for example, you mentioning tamarind and creme brulee. Yeah. Imagine if some amazing or an amazing chef travels to Thailand and they do discover that tamarind taste. Yeah. And they make that connection, and they put that together, and it would be that chef's right specific creation, based on the taste that he was introduced to, and what you were alluding to, which is thinking that the two coming together, what an amazing combination that would make, but it would just take that adventurous, that one adventurous chef Mm. to just be like, let me do that. Because I think about, you know, growing up as a little girl, um, cooking with my mom. There are certain things when when we make a certain dish and I'll be like, oh, put this in there, certain ingredients. Oh, no, honey, that ingredient, it never goes in this dish. (laughs) And that ingredient never goes in this soup or never goes in this dish menu. But the thing is, though, traditionally, that's how mom cooked it. Right. It doesn't mean that this veggie can't go into this dish. It's just that she has never used it. Her mother and her grandmother and her 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 cousins and her aunts have never used it. So you think, oh no, that doesn't go in it. But it takes an inventive chef to kind of see the flavor and can kind of, imagine how the flavors coming together would be so amazing. Yeah. Like my mom, when she says, oh, honey, don't put that in there. And when I experiment with it and she'd be like, oh, my gosh, right. wow, that is, you know what I mean? Well, there's, there's, I th- I think,
0: I mean, there's, there's an amazing part to having all the information available to us, right? Mm-hmm. We can learn by reading about all the cuisines of the world. We can learn the influences. We can learn the crosses But tasting, Mm. tasting is where everything happens. Mm -hmm. It's where, you know, things click in your head when you taste. It's when you, it's that happiness because you can read and it doesn't, it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. the same. It doesn't ring true. Um, And then the balance of, yes, when you call it fusion, when you call it this or that, are you respecting things? Are you respecting the process? Are you respecting the ingredients and the cultures? Um, I, I, it's, it's an interesting discussion to have and like, hey, we can use these amazing things. We can call something Thai on a menu, but are we respecting Thai cuisine? Are we mm-hmm. respecting the ingredients and doing it the right way? Interesting discussion to have another time. But what I did want to talk about to finish off was, um, this was a few years ago where you and I attended a movie together at, uh, at the Anomaly Film Festival. And one of my favorite movies I saw in the last few years was, a, uh, was a, a Lao film that we saw at the film festival, which was, I believe it was called The Long Walk by uh, the director, Maddie Doe, and one of the truly most affecting films I've seen in years. I, I really, truly enjoyed it. Um, kind of want to talk about it for a few minutes. Let's it's been do a, it. It's yes. been a while since I saw it, um, but it still resonates in my head as just one of those movies that was just so... It was just beautiful. You could feel all the emotions. You could feel just the, the place. Everything was there. and it, it was a really interesting experience.
1: And, you know, it's... For me... It's so funny that I can identify with you. Yeah. When you say that. Because I did grow up here. And when I say that, what I can further say then is I am heavily influenced, right? By American Cinematography, yeah. The themes of our American movies, you know, the 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 rom coms, the actions, the dramas, the romantic dramas, the you know, sci fi's, um, and the long walk, right? So authentically Lao so reflecting of the traditions, and to be told. In that, in that, the aspect of a film and bringing it to life in film, I was so touched yeah. and so surprised by it because it was actually the very, very first Laotian film I had ever seen. And to have seen that, it, it was just, I, it, it was just so stunning. Yeah. Right, because I I I have never it was like it was like going home. And going home is the only time I would be able to see something like that. You know what I mean? Because here in my American films, it's 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 my home. America is my home. But then my, you know, my home country where I come from, um you know Laos has never had a presence you know in 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 the film industry like that and for me to have been introduced to it with this film that spoke of so many various traditional values but told from you know what i mean a modern
0: it was modern but it, it never it didn't feel it didn't feel super modern but yeah. the the visuals and everything was just It was a stunning movie, just all around.
1: Oh, it was, I was, I was just, I didn't know if I loved it just because I was just so proud and it was the first time I'd ever seen it. You know, and then I talked to myself and, you know, I have a conversation with myself. I'm like, but you know what? You can be objective.
0: Oh, percent And you can
1: say that that film was just wow.
0: It was. I mean, it was hard not to walk out and feel like, you had just experienced something that was special. And it's... um, I I definitely... It was amazing to see it in a theater because Mm -hmm. that's the the kind of thing you only get at these kind of film festivals. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And also for everybody else, uh, the Anomaly Film Festival is coming up again in November, so uh, buy your tickets now. Uh, My great friends uh, that host that festival coming up in November. But... um, you can rent this now online. You can get it on uh, a number of different services. So you can get you can rent it on Amazon or Apple TV or Google Play or YouTube. It's available now, which mm-hmm. is an amazing thing yeah. to have it fully available. Um, you can also stream it without paying on AMC, uh, on Roku, on Tubi, and also on Shutter if you're subscribed mm-hmm. to that. So this is a film that is now widely available, and the New York Times wrote a review of it, and it's like, now everybody can see this.
1: Netflix is streaming it. Are they, are they streaming it right inter- now? On their international platform. Yeah. So it's not available here yet in the U.S., you know. But if I made the correlation, right, because one of, the, uh, one of the reoccurring theme with our conversation is how do I present my food? Sure. And it goes back to authenticity and all of that, right? This movie, when I saw it, unadulterated yeah just you can't you know and it's funny because unadulterated is one of the words that i love to use to describe my cooking Mm. because it's unalterated uh i do not change any component any taste i do not westernize it i do not Blended. I do not bring it down. I do not whatever. How you get it, and how I present it is how I present it at home, everywhere else. I might, you know, I might lower the spice level a little <laughs> bit. So I guess we can't really say it's completely unadulterated. But yeah, you know what I mean. But the same way that everyone has their, everyone has their own. Right, um, level of being able to handle spice, and it's the same in Thailand, yeah. So many people, you know, do not like it too spicy, they just want a hint of it, yeah, just to make it pop. And there are others who, even though it's very spicy, will still have fresh chili to chew in addition to that spiciness. But this film, yeah, I see it, and when I think about it so completely like if you've never seen something different um that can be captivating that's the only way that I can describe this film like at the end of our film festival Mm -hmm. when when that film was shown and and I left the festival Chris thinking and i'm not a member of the hollywood foreign press and i don't even know what it takes to yeah. to get a film nominated but i've grown up watching the oscars enough and to pay attention enough and to see the various films that are nominated you know for for international foreign film type kind of thing yeah and i couldn't think i couldn't help myself from thinking this is so Oscar worthy. And it's just so unfortunate that Laos is not in the forefront of the film industry, where it would have collected enough attention from the foreign press to be considered, but I just felt like being someone who loves film, who loves television, you know what I mean? I couldn't help but think how deserving to at least for it You know what I mean? To have been considered. For
0: sure. I I think it was it was a special experience and one that like you want to give give your attention to. Like it it needs attention, but it's not a this is not an assault on the senses. This is this was a this was a journey and it's not just this isn't like straight traditional fair. There's this is this is sci-fi, this is a lot of things going on at the Mm -hmm. same time. Tradition and modernity Mm -hmm. and all these things occurring at the same time and I'll I'll leave it at that, but what I can tell you to do see this I was wrapping up with this oh. for you is to um you know go grab some food from the Noble Shepherd, you know, from uh, from the Patai uh, uh pop up there on a Friday or Saturday, bring it home and watch the movie. Yeah. Watch the movie with traditional food and watch the movie and enjoy it with uh, with uh that experience. Yeah. It, it would be truly special.
1: Or stop by and get some, um, you know, some takeout. Yeah. At the food festival this Sunday. A
0: hundred percent.
1: It's cooked by and you know cooked by our our community. So authenticity again because we love that yeah. word, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> you you couldn't imagine. From the various desserts, exotic desserts that you've never seen before, to dishes that you might have had at restaurants or elsewhere, and you can really see the various tastes. You know, all the various exotic ingredients. It, it's it's amazing. I mean, you would take a bite of something and just so many things comes to mind that you really do need to just stand there and just be like, what is in this? Because I taste this, but it's not it. It's just so many different, you know, combinations <laughs> of of amazing stuff. So, yes, definitely, you guys. I hope to see you guys there.
0: Yeah, and the, the address again in Henrietta is, uh, what was the address again? It's, it's a-
1: 135.
0: Martin Road. All right. And uh, go check out the grounds, eat some amazing food, go to Noble Shepherd, buy some pop up, watch the film. Um, but, Fun, thanks so much for coming over. This is a pleasure. It's a long time coming.
1: Oh my gosh, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Yes.
0: And, definitely. Uh, and uh, hopefully, we'll have you again. And uh, you can find me uh, at Stromey on Twitter and Instagram, Food About Town on Facebook, also Twitter. And food about town podcast on instagram go to curate to order your meal for an upcoming event and we will be back next time for more on the food about town podcast music for the food about town podcast is provided by Taurus savant you can find more of his music on tourist savant.bandcamp.com the food about town podcast is a proud member of the Lunchador podcast network Follow Lunchador at Lunchador Podcasts on Instagram to see when new episodes drop from all the great shows on our fantastic network.